We've been looking at a bit of profits over the evenings uh, since the new year. And uh, I thought I'd start tonight by asking you a question. Right? Um, it's not a joke. It sounds a bit like a joke. Um, but when is a profit not a profit? It's not when is a door not a door. You know, we all know that one. It's when it's a jar. Um, but it's, you know, when is a profit not a profit? We've had some that we've been thinking of that have mm, been questionable profits. Who, any, anyone... Any thoughts on when a prophet is not a prophet? When it's an apostle? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when it's an apostle? When he's an apostle. And, and why is that then? Uh, well, we're all disciples, but in po- apostles, I'm not sure they are around today, but. <coughs> yeah, uh, I mean, apostles, we tend to think about uh, people that have encountered Jesus. And go out into the world. Yeah. So, so there's a certain thing there. Yeah, that's that's thought. Um, I'd say Jonah, because Jonah was actually called to be a prophet, but he turned away from his destiny. So in that respect, he wasn't actually a prophet for a small period of time. Yeah, so he was a, a prophet. He's one of the ones yeah. we've been thinking about. Yeah. He was called to prophecy. But he rejected it. You know, he, he ran away and he wouldn't speak uh, the word that God wanted to share. Anyone got any other ideas? Some people would call themselves prophets, but they don't listen to the Lord, so it's words of their own. Ah, so that's when it's, it's not really God's word that they're sharing, but their own thoughts. And yes, that, false prophets... That, that shared their own thoughts rather than the Lord's uh, word for them. Anyone want to? No. The, um, the person uh, we've got to be thinking about tonight says, I'm not a prophet. Amos says, I'm not a prophet. And my dad wasn't a prophet. You know, I'm only doing this because I have to. You know, he's, uh, he's pushed into it. I would tell you where it was, but uh, I've not... Uh, Amos. Um, that's actually in Amos 7, which is uh, uh, 921, kind of, or probably over the page in 922 um, when he's talking about being a plumb line, uh, being a plumb line. but he said you know I'm, I'm not a prophet you know and, and that's it it is it's words that are given by the Lord uh, so that idea of if it's your own words or if you refuse to say the words then you're not being a prophet. Amos, Amos kind of establishes uh, a concept that sometimes um, it was families or prophets 
that uh, are being sent um, to bring the word and sent um, one after another to to speak into a place that, that needs to hear the Lord's word much like the priests were all of one family we um, are perhaps in a nation that needs to hear prophets you know maybe every nation at every time needs to hear prophets we could say but we, we are at a time where God's word is not being heard in, in much of society and uh, we live in an era um, where instead of being much of a united kingdom we're a disunited kingdom um, and we see that in many ways not just in how we um, share things and understand things um, in society but in politics too and uh, through the devolution of uh, parliaments um, into some form of assembly into each of the nations. You know, and the, the first ministers, the people that are trusted in each of those other nations that forms part of the UK, um, don't tend to comment very favourably on what happens in Westminster. And uh, the ministers in Westminster don't comment favourably on what happens in the devolved assemblies. They don't hold each other in high esteem. They, they mock each other. They look for the weaknesses. They sow disruption. And actually what they need is to somehow bring thoughts together and work together. In the time of Amos, the relationship between Israel in the north and Judah in the south is not dissimilar. What you have is two separate kingdoms that that should be one, that are called to be one, that need to hear the Lord's word. But they don't. And golden calves are made by uh, Jeroboam uh, in the, uh, for the north to visit, for the northerners to go and uh, bring worship in Dan and in Bethel. And uh, there's a reason that uh, these false gods are made. It's not simply because of belief but the idea is by putting them in Dan and Bethel that uh, these two places that are known to be important to God's people um, will be places that the population will go to and by going there it will stop them travelling to Jerusalem It will stop them bringing worship. It's not simply about staying local, but it's a risk reduction exercise in that 
stopping worship taking place in Jerusalem, in the holy city. Because if the people of the north go to the holy city, not only will they worship the true God in the way that they're supposed to, but there's the possibility that minds will start thinking about reunification about being joined back together, about being one nation. And of course, for Jeroboam, that would mean he would lose power. He would lose authority. He would lose his place as king because everybody was looking to the other capital city. The thoughts would come of what it meant to be a true child of Abraham. With a king and citizens of Israel not going near Jerusalem, not approaching it to hear the Lord's word, the Lord hatches a plan to bring his word to Israel through Amos, this man that's not descended from other prophets. The man who says, I'm I'm but a shepherd. I'm but somebody that has sycamore figs. I'm not really the person that's meant to be doing this job. I'm only doing this because God forces me to do it. And the prophet speaks judgment after judgment. But before the end of the book, there is also hope. And we see this with many of the prophets. We hear many, many woes, but we also hear of hope. And so I'm going to read from Amos chapter 9, starting at verse 11. It's a message of real hope. And it comes immediately after he's been talking about destruction. In that day is a word that he's just been using to speak of things being broken down, of change that's coming that rightly would make the people fearful. But then we get a new in that day, a day that I will restore, says the Lord. And he talks of David's fallen tent in this translation. Um, the, the word tent is uh, an interesting bit of translation there. Um, the word is uh, sometimes taken as shelter. And in fact, it's the same word as um, the shelter that Jonah sat under at the end of that story of Jonah. It's the same bit where Jonah goes and seeks shelter under the tree. It's the same word as we've got here as tent. It's not David's fallen family. 
It's not David's fallen temple. It's not David's fallen palace. It's the most basic of things. And that's how far it's fallen. That is how far God's people have gone away. There's a real fallenness. Sometimes it's translated there as tabernacle. The place of worship. But the Lord is going to repair it and build it as it used to be. Not only the idea of building the kingdom, but building the worship. Encouraging people to be one. Encouraging them. Leading them. Restoring them to be his people. And then there's a number of other images And I'd like you um, to think a little bit with the folk next to you about those images that we see of grapes and of vines and of wine. And think of what it says to you. So have a couple of minutes and then I'll be back with you. 